You're listening to the Umentor Talk Show, now available on the Umoja app. I'm your host, Imran Daramsi, and on this weekly talk show, we invite professionals and teenagers to take us through their journeys and give us advice. Um, and remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, if you didn't put the questions in the Inspire app, in the Inspire platform yet, um, you can just leave them in the live comments and we will get to them during the show. Um, so this week we were supposed to do a community voice show, but um, that is actually moved to two weeks from today. So, so we are doing the You Mentor Talk show today. Um, and before we start with our guest, we wanted to talk about the Inspire platform um, quickly. It's a question and answer platform for career advice in our Shia community. So as a rising professional, you can ask for advice from other professionals. Um, and as a mentor, you can give advice to our community's future professionals. And also, if you're a student, you can give advice to students who are younger than you. Um, and that is all available in the Umoja app, which you can download on Android and iOS. Um, so let's go to our speaker. Today's speaker is Muhammad Ali Nakvi. Um, he is a senior at Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University, and he's also a certified flight instructor who started flying at age 18. He's now working to becoming an airline pilot. So um, we've never had a pilot on this show before, so that is definitely a first and very interesting. Um, and also, Muhammad wants to use flying as a means to bring nonstop flights to Najaf and Karbala. Um, in an attempt to make Ziyarat more accessible to Shias in the United States. So let's welcome him on. Hey, Salam, everyone. How are you? What's up? How are you? <laughs> oh, alhamdulillah, good. How are you? <laughs> good, Thanks so much. Um, and also, for everyone who's watching, we arranged this show pretty last minute after we had a cancellation. So thank you so much for like coming on. <laughs> Absolutely. And, My pleasure. So again, this show is um, pretty unique because you're the first pilot or aviation professional of any sort, really, that we've we've had on. Um, so I guess the first question would be, what prompted you to start flying? Well, it was a few things. Um, I remember when I was like, that I remember uh, to Pakistan, and I... You know, everybody usually hates the flying experience, but yeah. for whatever reason, I liked it. And then I kind of forgot about it, although I had a slight interest in planes. And then I went to Ziarat like a few mm -hmm. years later, and uh, I enjoyed the experience even more. <laughs> Let's just say That's that. So like normally the plane is the worst part. <laughs> yeah, I enjoyed it. I, I was like a huge plane nerd at that point. I was like researching, yeah. Googling stuff beforehand just to find out mm -hmm. like what plane we're flying, what airport yeah, we're going yeah. to, how everything's going to work. And I was enjoying it, <laughs> surprisingly. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I come oh, back cool. and I'm like, I want to be a pilot. And then you know, it's been on the back burner for a bit of time. But then after yeah. that, you know, a few more flights, trips, experiences later, um, I wanted to pursue flying professionally. Mm -hmm. And then um, eventually I took the plunge and decided to go for it. So did you like do anything in high school, um, aviation related or, you know? Well, I, I took this one, um, there's this elective that was offered at my high school um mm -hmm. aerospace engineering it was in partnership with uh, rit rochester institute of technology where oh, you okay. do the aerospace engineering curriculum you get college credit for it but okay. um that really didn't deal with much of the flying aspect it only 
dealt with like design of airfoils and things like that. So it wasn't, I see. nobody in the class really wanted to become a pilot. Okay. So you, you were like unique among, well, did you like, know you'd be, you wanted to become a pilot at when you were taking that course? Kind of. It was, it was in the kind of, head. okay. Yeah. So you were pretty unique among the people who were, who were in there. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, and then, um, did you go to like the traditional college route first before you went to Embry Riddle? Yes. So I was actually at the University of Maryland College Park. Mm-hmm. Um, I was studying business administration and I was there until I got bored and decided to transfer <laughs> over. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty much doing the traditional path and uh, right, wasn't right. 100% enjoying it, but mm-hmm. uh, I was there. Huh, interesting. So that's like, how long did you study before you decided that this is not it and I and that you wanted to go um it was about, um, I did about a year and a half, so roughly three semesters mm-hmm. before I decided okay. that uh, I I wasn't interested in business administration, <laughs> at least for a bachelor's degree level kind of thing. Yeah. And was there um, some pushback um, when you de- from your family, for example, when you decided to, you know, go to an aeronautical university? Yeah, there definitely okay. was. <laughs> how did you how did you like navigate that? Well, I mean, for starters, um, the pushback started since I was like fifteen about being a okay. pilot. <laughs> mm-hmm. I uh, like why that. just well, I'm my curious. mom was like, "You're not gonna um, get hired at an airline because your name's Muhammad. You have a beard. You're a brown <laughs> okay. guy. There's no chance you're gonna get hired anywhere." And I'm like. Mm-hmm what is this? I want to be a pilot. I'm American. I, I'm an American citizen. If I want to do it, I can. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, that was an interesting um, period of time where they wouldn't really take it seriously, uh, my interest in flying. And then eventually, um, I took the plunge anyways, and decided to go for it. Um, and then yeah, like, I, I got some pushback from my dad still like uh, i remember we were um talking one day randomly and he was like i was like yeah you know pilots can make upwards uh in mid six figures uh, once they're yeah. really well established in their career mm-hmm. and my my dad's like no they won't they won't make that much money they barely make money at all I'm like okay how do you know <laughs> and he's like my friends sons cousins sisters father is a pilot and he doesn't make money like (laughs) okay well that's not a direct you know thing where you heard from somebody directly and then on top of that it depends on where you go in the field Mm -hmm. but uh there were other things like i was getting my private pilot certificate back in uh texas where i was training Right. right and um I remember my dad, my dad was like, okay. So I told him I soloed, I I did my first solo flight and he was like, yeah, okay, great. So when are you going to finish and come back home and do some, something real with your life? I'm like, this is real. (laughs) He's like, you know, no, flying isn't a real thing. Uh, Hmm. My friend's son got a master's degree and now he's working at Amazon making a lot of money. (laughs) 
and you could do the <laughs> same thing. Like I could, so there was pushback, but then when he realized I was after I got my private pilot certificate and I was continuing yeah. on with my training, that's mm-hmm. when he started taking it really seriously and right. they've come around and become very supportive, which I'm very grateful for. Alhamdulillah, yeah, that's good. I, I, that requires a lot of dedication to really wanting to to fly, to like keep going through all that pushback. So Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, is the I mean, video we all have dreams and we gotta right. fulfill them, see them through. Mm-hmm. Is the video um from when you were getting your pilot private pilot's license? Uh, the video, uh, the one, the one with, yeah, that one, no, that one was, um, afterwards when I came out here to, uh, Los Angeles, uh, that was mm-hmm. a video I took when I was getting checked out from the right seat. Since as a pilot, you learn and fly from the left seat, but as an instructor, you have to know how to fly at commercial level in the right seat and be able to instruct. Oh, okay. So that was one of my first, uh, landings I did in the right seat. Okay, so I guess we'll hold off on that. Um, but first, I just wanted to ask you, so how does it all work if you decide that you want to learn to fly and want to go into aviation? Like, what's an aeronautical university? Well, the way it works is you, in order to fly professionally, let's say at, mm-hmm. as an airline pilot, all you need to do is um, start out you're earning your private pilot certificate that's your first license you'll ever earn um then you'll get something called your instrument rating which means you can legally fly through clouds you can fly okay uh, jet routes that kind of thing then Mm -hmm. um after that you build flight hours until you're at 250 flight hours you'll get your commercial pilot certificate and Mm -hmm. that only means you get to you can get paid to fly that doesn't mean you can fly big planes (laughs) that just means you can get paid to fly (laughs) So is that like, are you studying theory concurrently or are you just training to get your pilot's license in that time? So after my commercial, you know, there's a variety of ways. uh, You simply just build time, uh, build flight hours to get Mm -hmm. your airline transport pilot certificate. And that's the one that's going to let you fly for the airlines. So right now I'm at roughly 500 hours of flight time. So I have about a thousand Mm -hmm. to go until I can go to the airlines. But uh, as soon as I do, I, I can fly airliners, and it's going to be great. Um, but I'm also <laughs> getting my bachelor's degree um, in aeronautics. It um, mm-hmm. That isn't related to my flight licenses. That's more so oh, okay. a degree in the theory of aeronautics and whatnot. And strictly technically, it's not even required to get a degree in aeronautics. You can major in anything and get your flight licenses on the side. Hmm. However, in my case, it actually costs me the least amount of money to major in aeronautics and uh, mm-hmm. do that while I was getting my flight licenses. So that's how that's that what worked for you. Okay. Yeah. And when you train, so you're a flight instructor, when you train, do you also get hours toward your 1500 hour requirement? Yes, I do. Um, I okay. get to log flight time anytime I'm training a student. Uh, hmm. Since I'm considered the final authority in the airplane, uh, I get to log it as uh, pilot in command time. Oh, okay. That's interesting. Um, so you moved to Texas. You got your private pilot's license there. And then you went I to California. My... So tell us about that. So I moved to te- I, I went to Texas to get my flight ratings um, all the way from private, all the way to commercial pilot and flight instructor. Mm-hmm. So and so that was just like you were doing, sorry, you were doing like hands-on, like flying 
like flying yeah, kind of thing. Flying, you wouldn't yeah. start. Okay, you didn't start your bachelor's at that point yet. I I was I was doing that concurrently. Um, oh okay okay. When I went to Texas, I was doing my bachelor's degree uh, for the theory related stuff for my bachelor's in aeronautics. That mm-hmm. I was doing on the side while I was doing my uh, flight training. So I, I did essentially both concurrently. I did my flight uh, ratings and whatnot all the way from uh, zero experience to um, flight instructor. Uh, and there's, I also hold, uh, I also got my commercial pilot certificate, uh, single engine and multi-engine airplanes. So uh, that's how that ended up working out for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and then you went to California because you found a flight instructor job there. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> I, I went okay. to LA to basically teach students because uh, mm-hmm. this was one of the only few markets in the country that was hiring and I was very lucky to get a job while right. instructing. While the pandemic was going on too, right? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, how did you balance your time when you were in Texas doing the hands-on training and the bachelor's degree concurrently? Well, it, you know, the way it worked out for me, I was doing about four classes at a time. And so I'd simply split up mm-hmm. um, what days I was going to do, uh, finish up the assignments for what class. Okay. Um, and so that ended up working out pretty nicely for me because I ended up uh, doing like classes, uh, classwork for some assignments on you know, let's say Monday, Tuesday, and then the other classes I had Thursday, Friday. And uh, then I'd have the weekend to do anything that's left over that I might have missed. So it worked out pretty nicely. Okay, that's cool. Um, And we do have a few questions in our Inspire platform. So let me um, bring those up here. There should be a good transition from like what we're talking about now, the training part to what you want to do in the future. So how can you ensure um, work-life balance as a commercial pilot? Well, work-life balance, it ultimately depends on where you're working and what schedule you're going to get. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to be working as a flight instructor, for example, some people choose to do that as a career. And with that, you don't end up, um, you don't end up traveling that much. You're home every night. And some people are satisfied with that, and that works out. Um, in my case, I want to go uh, commercial, like go to the airline route. And with that, it ultimately depends on a few things. I could be uh, getting something called reserve, where I get called out if somebody is sick or somebody's unable to make a flight, and then they'll call on me as a reserve pilot to go okay. and fly. Um, that one makes things a little unpredictable, but, uh, then there's something else in the industry called holding a line or holding a set schedule where you know what flights you're going to have in advance. And when that happens, um, you kind of know your schedule and typically the way in the airline world it works is it's about four days on and four days off roughly. And so while you're when you're on the road quite a bit, um, mm-hmm. you're also at home for four days straight. So you're right. really at home more often or you have mm. more time at home than uh, the average career person would. Ah, that's interesting. I don't, I don't think, I never knew that personally. So I always thought for pilots, it was like just a crazy schedule, like always flying and 
yeah um so it i guess that's be. a common, common <laughs> it can be okay but like not for everyone you get to choose if you want that yeah once you, once you've been in the airlines for a bit of time you have seniority mm-hmm. and when you have a better seniority you can actually choose what kind of trips you want to take oh, um, okay. and then there's also airlines um like allegiant air for example they're like spirit but uh they're based out of some weird cities and allegiant all their pilots come home every night uh, it, it saves them mm-hmm. money and then there's also uh charter and corporate pilot flying gigs that exist and those you're home a lot more often and it it quality of life is different yeah um there's there's a lot of options it doesn't necessarily have to be restricted to the airline world but uh, there's there's many ways you can balance your uh you know work and life balance really mm-hmm. so there's a lot of ways that um someone in your position who has the same training as you could like go go about applying it to the workforce yeah there there are okay. a lot of ways hmm. all right um so we do have an audience question so i want to get to that first but we will get back to the inspire question um sure. yeah so this question is from sukena datu and the question is um and it's kind of small so i <laughs> could you share what type of physical challenges does a pilot need to go through during his training to qualify so yeah by physical challenges um i mean it i i don't know what uh so again, it means about uh, physical challenges per se. I'm sorry. Um, I'll try to answer as best as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I know some students end up uh, washing out of training before they solo because they're unable to grasp uh, how to land a plane or how to do certain maneuvers or how okay. to handle a, how, how to handle an emergency. Um, now, I've also I've also um, seen other students wash out of training where they had an actual medical issue that they didn't realize one of my okay. classmates actually washed out because she had some nerve damage on her arm. And so mm-hmm. when she was trying to, you know, control the airplane with the control yoke, uh, her hands were moving uncontrollably and that got dangerous. Mm. And so as far as like challenges go, um, there, there are a few things. I mean, there's a lot of studying involved. Uh, there's, Mm-hmm. Every phase of training, you have something called a check ride, where you go up with somebody who is a authorized representative of the uh, FAA, and okay. you get your flight license that way. And oh, that must be nerve wracking. <laughs> it is very nerve wracking mm-hmm. <laughs> because you know, and I've unfortunately I've had I, I've failed two check rides I've had, mm-hmm. and um, they that, that's in your permanent record as a pilot that. You know, you oh, failed wow, the check ride. Failed. So oh. airlines are going to ask me about what I did, uh, why I failed, yeah. and how I learned from it. And so there's things like that. Um, ultimately, the best thing someone can do is study up as much as they can, uh, mm-hmm. practice flying. Like, you know, imagine they're flying. We call it chair flying, where you're imagining you're sitting in a chair, <laughs> you're imagining you're in an airplane, and you're flying. It actually works. <laughs> oh, interesting. How about um, flight simulators? Are those like, do you use those? Flight simulators, <laughs> flight simulators can actually work pretty well. Okay. For, like practicing certain things. They, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, they're good. They work. And then okay. I know uh, some people will, there are actual dedicated like full motion simulators that some flight schools have where mm-hmm. you could practice in those too. Um, but also it's, you have to study up as much as you can. You got to 
practice yeah. as much as you can. And ultimately, you also have to um, really do what you can to get get ahead as far as your training goes, whether it's mm-hmm. um, getting some extra instruction from an instructor or uh, watching YouTube videos from an instructor on a topic that you're a little confused about. Um, there's a lot of different ways mm-hmm. that you can kind of get back up and running with that. Okay. Mm, that's interesting. So yeah, I think that was a pretty good question. So thank you for that um, question. And this is another one that we had on the Inspire platform, which I think you somewhat answered, but what can someone in high school pursue like extracurriculars, and I know you talked about that one course that you had taken, if they're interested in aviation. Well, if somebody in high school wants to uh, become a pilot, there mm-hmm. isn't really much that uh, you can take, at least where the school district I went to, they didn't quite right. have uh, any like aviation-related uh, stuff, except for that aerospace engineering, which wasn't really super related, to be honest. Um, but as far as extracurricular activities, a student can actually get their private pilot certificate as early as age 17. You can become mm. a student pilot as early as 16 and, you know, solo as early as 16 and practice all the way until you're, you know, 17 and you can take your uh, check ride to become a private pilot. And oh, the minimum wow. age to become a commercial pilot is actually 18. Same with being a flight instructor. And mm-hmm. the minimum age to become an airline pilot is 21. So realistically speaking, if you have a huge interest in flying and so much so that your parents are also on board with it, you can start taking flight lessons at 16 and uh, yeah. at 17, get your pilot's license and then start training for bigger and better. Um, that's really one thing that students can do. Uh, aside from that, there isn't much that high schools can really offer. Um mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, other yeah, than that's, that. That's interesting. You can get some hands-on experience before you actually, yeah. you know, <laughs> decide to pursue it for sure. <laughs> other things, I mean, one, some stuff that really helped me out, um, since I did a bunch of AP exams uh, in high school, mm-hmm. um, I ended up shaving off roughly 30 credits from AP exams and uh, the stuff I did at that aerospace engineering class and that shaved hmm, wow. off about 30 credits. So I ended up, uh, this almost an entire year that gets shaved off from your degree, really. That you saved. So, so take APs, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Take APs. If, if you have like a local community college or a university that uh, will let you do dual enrollment where you can like take classes on the side there, uh, do that. That'll, that'll count. And, uh, you'll save a bunch of time yeah okay yeah that's great advice so um there's this one picture here um if you just want to kind of explain to us what it is um and what this picture means to you so just for our for the people who are listening that's my first student um that's my first ever student uh on the left um he passed his private pilot check ride and that paper in the middle that is his temporary pilot certificate. He's going to get mm-hmm. the full plastic one in the mail. And uh, he's officially a pilot. He can take passengers up. He can go fly whatever he wants to have fun uh, because he passed his private pilot check ride. 
And he's actually training with me now to uh, go get his uh, instrument rating, then commercial mm -hmm. pilot certificate, and then eventually become a flight instructor like me. And we're both trying to go to the airline. So, yeah. Oh, that's so interesting. And so you started with him like from scratch. Did he? Yeah. Okay. All the way from scratch. Wow. That's amazing. Um, yeah, it felt nice. He, uh, I was really mm -hmm. nervous when he was taking his check ride, probably more nervous <laughs> than he was because he was my first student and I was hoping the examiner was going to be chill and pass him and he did. So it was great. That's great. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Great. Um, so let's switch gears. Um, oh, I, we have one uh, short question here. Do you need physics and math as prerequisites? Physics and math, um, not really a huge requirement. Um, it, it's really not a huge requirement uh, for physics okay. and math. I mean, as long as you're able to know how to use a calculator, then it's fine. Um, I mean, I, I use my iPad in, in the airplane for <laughs> flight planning, calculating. Uh -huh. um, you know, physics and math, they, if you're learning about how things work uh, behind the scenes, then yes, physics and math can be somewhat important. But uh, actually flying, it's not a huge, um, it's, mm -hmm. it's really not much you're going to have to deal with yourself. Um, you can use like calculators and whatnot to really do the work for you. And okay. All right. Amazing. So I want to give you, that's cool. Yes. <laughs> so I want to give you a chance to just um, like change gears for a second and talk about your goals um, pursuing flying individually for the Shia community at large. Um, well, for the Shia community at large, I actually have two long-term goals in life. Mm -hmm. um, one of them is, obviously, there was a bit of a stigma with me go uh, going and becoming a pilot uh, when I was younger. And I would hope that once I get to the airlines, I could help out younger guys who are looking to become pilots as well right. in the form of uh you know, flying lessons and whatnot. And mm -hmm. I, that is something that I would like to do as a nonprofit kind of thing, where if anybody wants to learn how to fly, they're from our community, um, they mm -hmm. can go fly. They won't get ripped off by like <laughs> the biggest <laughs> flight school down the street. Right. And ultimately helping them out. That, that, that's what I'd like to do. Uh, so that way people in my situation, uh, that, you know, my situation a few years ago, they actually have a clear way through and they don't have to, fend for themselves somewhat. Uh, but right. the other thing I would like mm -hmm. to do is um, eventually, uh, and this sounds pretty crazy, but uh, crazy enough, it just might work. I'd like to <laughs> have nonstop flights from here to uh, Najaf and Karbala. Mm -hmm. Since, you know, we don't have a nonstop operation there. And on top of that, airlines currently price gouge their customers. Mm -hmm. uh if you're looking before covid if you wanted to go do ziara and it was arbain you'd be spending about two thousand dollars round trip for a ticket it's ridiculous yeah. and then off season tickets are as cheap as 800 bucks and so what i'd like to do uh, i personally am of the opinion that um people should not make a profit off of people doing ziara. ripping people off exactly. <laughs> yeah I, people mm -hmm. shouldn't price gouge people shouldn't be making a, a profit off of it, the uh, like going to do ZR. I would, my, what I'd like to do is start an airline up, operate those flights at cost for mm -hmm. the 
Shia community. Uh, if you're going to do Ziyarat, you're not going to be price gouged for it. You're going to get it at cost, no profit. Um, going to get there comfortably, safely, and uh, nonstop, so you don't have to deal with connecting right. flights. Uh, mm-hmm. But then also, um, I would like to, you know, one, one dream I've had since I was a kid was also being able to have everyone get their first Ziyarat trip for free. Um, mashallah, the Jewish community mm-hmm. has birthright uh, occupied Palestine. And uh, <laughs> I'm not going to say the actual yeah. name. Uh, we <laughs> can have birthright Ziyarat, and it'll be amazing. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think if we had our own birthright trip uh, to do Ziyarat, then not only will there be more people going to do Ziyarat because they can afford it, but then also people in the community who may not be as religious um, grown up, if they go do mm-hmm. ziyarat that changes their life, then hey, brings them closer. And that's a good thing. Yeah, inshallah, you can make that happen. So I guess the way to do it would be, I guess, starting a nonprofit, right? After you. Inshallah. It, yeah, inshallah. I, I still don't know how it's going to happen, but uh, what I had in mind was starting an airline up, have the. Uh, you know, domestic flights, whatever, the for-profit operation subsidized the non-profit operation. Okay. All the mm-hmm. flights are at cost. Um, birthright trips cost nothing to, uh, mm. you know, for people going on their first trip. And uh, people can't afford to go. They'll get uh, a free Ziara trip uh, every so often. Mm. That's, that's the goal. Yeah. Inshallah. Okay. Inshallah. Um, so what is your, we're almost done, but it's been an amazing show. Um, and what is your final piece of advice for our listeners? What is the one thing they should take away from, from listening to this show? You know, one thing that I've learned when going through learning to fly and trying to do this as a career, uh, the aviation industry is very unpredictable. Mm -hmm. Um, and obviously I have always wanted to stick it out and keep going and keep trying. But um, because of that, there are some misconceptions about flying and the aviation world that a lot of, um, you know, parents in the community may feel uncomfortable with for right. kids become pilot. And my advice to those kids is if you really want to go do something and if you really, really want to become a pilot or really anything for that matter, um, pursue it. Uh to be the best pilot or whatever career you want, be the best person you can be in that field. Mm-hmm. And no matter what, you can make a difference in the Shia community. Um, you don't necessarily have to be a doctor, lawyer, or engineer to be successful. Um, there are plenty of career fields out there that you can choose from. And frankly, I'm glad that I'm becoming a pilot Uh, i know it's not for everybody Mm -hmm. but uh it is definitely the right career for me and really if you want to be happy in life you're going to want to find the career that suits you the most and pursue it and be the best you can be at it and don't let anyone tell you otherwise don't let anyone tell you that you have to be whatever the normal basic stereotype is because Mm -hmm. yeah uh, uh, that's follow your dreams basically Amazing. <laughs> okay, well, um, thank you so much again for coming on the show. I think we had an amazing show. And um, inshallah, we can get more representation of aviation professionals on the show in the future. Inshallah, too. that would be amazing. Yeah. That would make me yes. very happy. 
Awesome. <laughs> and well, thanks for having for me. Us. Okay. Yes. Thank you. It was our pleasure. Um, so thank you for tuning in to the You Mentor Talk Show. Um, tune into the show next week, Saturday at 3 p.m. We're trying to put a show together about entrepreneurship. So that should be good. Um, and in two weeks, we have another episode of Community Voice. Um, and so hopefully you will tune in for that too. Remember, you can always catch our previous episodes on YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. And I probably missed one. And our website. Um, thank you again for joining us. Um, Moja Outreach Foundation, uniting and empowering Shia community.